we sort of talked about this, but I have been <laughs> pretty aware of my super objective for a long time now. Um, I don't think I figured it out well. I feel like empathy has always been an important concept for me, especially I think I became first most aware of it in the conversation about representation as I began to realize that my identities and relationship with certain social constructs was not not the one I expected to have for a long time. Um, so I really do I really do want to be understood and I think that it doesn't just apply to me being like I'm trans and I want people to respect that or I am bisexual or I am Filipino or I'm Dominican or I'm a person living with a chronic illness or I am a person who has executive dysfunction or I am anything ever always I just want to be understood in a in an all-of-me kind of way, in a, in a present kind of way. When I look back at all these questions about the things that have been most important and, and most devastating in my life, it has always been when my identity has been challenged or solidified. I think that before I, <laughs> before I was diagnosed with lupus, before my brain started to do whatever it's done, um, my goals were logistically straightforward. My goal was to keep getting straight A's, to keep doing well in school, to go to an Ivy League college, I had my eyes set on Harvard, actually. <laughs> I... I was good at it. I did theater for a little bit with Laura when I was in, like, third grade, but I stopped that. Um, because it was too far to drive every day. And I had homework, and I was quite good at doing homework, so... I kept doing it. So I guess then... I wonder... I still wanted to be understood. I still didn't know why people in my class didn't think the way I did, weren't as driven as I was. I didn't understand why I felt so inferior around my best friends. I didn't understand um, that friends are supposed to like you, <laughs> um, which sounds sad, um, because it is. I, I really didn't realize that friends are supposed to think that you're just as cool as you think they are because I never had a friendship where I felt that until high school, <laughs> until around the same time I was diagnosed. Um, I think then it didn't matter so much that I wasn't understood because I had things going for me that could sort of fill the gaps. It didn't matter if my peers understood me because I was doing what society was asking of me. I was <laughs> cis, straight, appearing, I was performing well in school, and I wanted to perform well in school. I don't think there were any conversations about depression or anxiety or anything back then. Although, you know, who knows, maybe I had experience on some level, but 
I don't think it bothered me so much that I wasn't understood because at that point in time, I had so much fulfillment. I was so rewarded by the system I was in that it didn't matter that a person didn't understand me because the system seemed to. The system seemed to feed into this identity as a smart person. It's okay if nobody likes me because I know I'm smart. (laughs) And it doesn't mean I was cruel, but... I think that my super objective has always been to be understood, but it became significantly more important when my when my sense of identity that I had built up outside of that um, ceased to exist when I stopped performing well in school. And to be honest, I say I stopped performing well in school, I'm sure my teachers would say different. Um, because it's either I turn something in and get straight A's, or I turn nothing in at all and fail. And the outcome of those things is entirely out of my control. I mean, I use coping strategies. I go to therapy. I pay for all this expensive stuff. Or at least I used to. I'm trying to cut back now because I can't afford it. Um, but I've done every which thing. Uh, tutor. Um, medication. So, so many medications. None of them working. This latest one I thought was working better than anything I ever had. Um, kind of seems like a dud lately. In any case, um, when I couldn't prove that I was smart or good in other ways, I wanted to be understood. I wanted other people to look at me and understand the things that I believe fundamentally about myself that I still wanted to believe that I was good (laughs) and I was inclined to feel like I wasn't Um, and so when I found theater again not in person first just there was a Hamilton craze that got into the sort of zeitgeist where my parents were aware of it and then I watched the Tonys and I saw Death West Spring Awakening and that show really (laughs) that one little Tony's performance changed my entire life because I was so interested in it I did all this research I I found so many things and and people and it's the reason I met my photography mentor Um, it's the reason I did a show with YMT which for better or for worse was both the best show I'd ever been in and like one of the most like uh, one of the environments which reminded me of, which reminded me of how the industry works with people like me, but I also met some of my best friends and some of these people that I, I want to work with um, in the future through those friendships. So I, I I can't complain about that. Hmm. I got distracted. Spring Awakening found me at the right time. <laughs> I must have been 15, 16, 17. No, 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 not 17. I was already out of high school by 17. Um, but yeah, I must have been 15 or 16. And I had <laughs> dropped out of school because I couldn't pass my classes because of medications I was taking to try to deal with my executive dysfunction were killing me faster than my brain was, so... I, um, 
I imagine you could understand why I would feel understood by as <laughs> as I don't want to call it simplistic, but it the show is very much like look, teens, sex. This is shocking, and that's why you're here to be shocked. Um, as much as I have my critiques of the the show in general, there is really nothing like um. Hmm. like seeing these these characters which navigate death sexuality education three things which felt so indescribably important at the time it's it was so cathartic and difficult and important seeing these characters um (laughs) you know seeing a character take his life because of school Um, and thinking how much I cared about a character and how much I was able to let go of um, when I watched his monologues or listened to that character's music (laughs) and then choosing the charismatic and bisexual uh, character who has like one real scene to project onto and decide ah that's what I want to be actually (laughs) I don't want to be depressed and I don't want the school system to destroy me anymore I just want choose to love who I want to love in the meantime I'm just talking about Spring Awakening now anyway felt understood by that and then I got to college and I met people who really understood me because I had met them in high school but they all moved away so I was once again alone for a minute but it didn't last too long thank god and the hard moment after that was when somebody I had decided to trust told me I was a bad person and had betrayed them and I can say with confidence now in hindsight certainly wasn't the case Um, as much as I was told otherwise and as much as everybody seemed to forget (laughs) what the reality of the situation was because that person I don't know if I'm supposed to censor anything in these. I don't think anybody will be listening this long anyway, so just for my sake and and knowing that understanding. It's just, it is so important to everything that has gotten me to here, to today. And it is so apparent in everything I do. I cannot think of a single thing I've done that doesn't seek out understanding. If not for myself, then at least for others. But usually for myself, because I'm selfish. Or not selfish. But because I've gotten to a place in my life where I've chosen to think of myself. Because for a long time I didn't. I spent way too much time thinking about others. Not even in in a kind way. 
but being so hyper aware of how others interact with each other and look at me and and what they think and what they would think I catered to that and it was not happy or healthy my photography is often incredibly self-expressive even when I'm photographing other people it is I have described it as my favorite vehicle for understanding I mean I love theater too I love a performance but when it comes to me and my tools I really feel most comfortable behind a camera with a setup that I've put together <laughs> I just love seeing people I really think people are so beautiful <laughs> not even necessarily in a in a typical way in a visual way I I love it when you can look at somebody and hear the kind of thing that they like their soul is whispering which sounds so poetic um which you know <laughs> lines up with the whole artist I write things I want to be understood um it's not a surprise that I would think poetically but I really mean that I want to understand them and I want to show other people through an image how to understand them in the way that I've been able to understand them in that moment to understand the way that I see them because I think that the way that I see other people is is kind it doesn't make it untrue I think it's just it comes far more naturally to me to assume the best (laughs) of people than it is to assume the worst and those who who allowed myself to think otherwise of have certainly earned that place in the worst way. And then, you know, being on stage. And <laughs> not that I'm the best singer, but um, you know putting your soul out there like that. Whether with song or with words, with movement. I have felt in an audience a kind of echo <laughs> inside, like a like if you rung a bell and it just sent a vibration through you. There are many performances I've seen where I've thought, I cannot die before I give somebody else that experience. And I think that's why I keep doing theater. Not because I think I'm (laughs) perfect for the industry. In fact, I think I'm far too sensitive for the industry, but it seems like every time I try to run away from it, I I end up back here. And so if I'm going to be here, I want to be loving to myself. I want to enjoy myself. And I want to... If I have to use my body, I want to use it to show other people that my body can be a conduit for these stories. I gave this really great presentation with the Asian Mental Health Project and one of my slides on it discussed this idea of, um, I had recreated a still from a movie or two and both of them had originally been with white male actors and putting myself in their place is not, it's not a, it shouldn't be revolutionary. It's not a cop-out kind of 
and look, if we saw these people in media, it's it just goes against the idea that you know we see media and we, over time and conditioned to think that it is impossible for us to tell stories without specifically selected bodies and it's just so not true in one photo I'm, I'm mimicking a still from the lighthouse the movie with robert pattinson and willem dafoe one of my favorite movies i should have mentioned that when it comes to monologues those are some wild performances i don't know if i could do that which is maybe why i should try one time but um i wasn't binding like you could see my chest um uh not exposed but like i looked very much like myself in that still but i pointed out that you can still get every every hint of story that the original frame was giving you and it was my body there and it didn't make a difference that my body and bodies like mine can tell any story the crime is not <laughs> the crime of lack of representation is is rooted in the fact that if opportunity was equal in the first place, if we had practice empathizing, or if we didn't need practice to empathize, it it wouldn't exist. But for now, we need things like representation because we need to teach people how to empathize through media. Because these opportunities don't exist because we don't empathize to other people through media. If casting was diverse, we wouldn't need to make an effort to make it diverse. I think it's funny that I get to be a full person as opposed to a specific token in a place or in companies that look more specifically for diverse artists. (laughs) When they narrow the field is when I get to be my fullest self, myself who is least defined by these identities. And I find that so ironic, but you know, it's it's just telling of the spaces where it's like, when I enter a room, which is quote unquote neutral, the, the standard is not my standard. The standard is whiteness, <laughs> it is cis, it is heteronormative. And to that it's own, but to claim that that is the neutral, or the natural or the normal means that every time I enter a space where I'm supposed to get to be any full person I'm limited to the ways that I'm othered that's gross that is a pink example of me not feeling understood and getting pissed off about it I really don't like it I don't like it how Half the time I'm mentioned or referenced in a Zoom call in class, I get she heard. Um, and it's certainly not like a... I actually appreciate it. Um, again, I don't think you've listened this far, but if... Um, Ugo, if you are there. <laughs> if your name doesn't sound weird with me saying it because I have not spoken uh, it very often certainly appreciated the way that the correction was swift and not lingered on. Um, 
I appreciate that more than people who cause a big fuss about it and go, oh, I'm such a bad person, or whatever, I just don't care, um, but <laughs> both of those things are marginally better than everybody who just says she, her, and moves right along and doesn't even think about it, um, because you think words wouldn't matter, and half the time I'm like, they're just pronouns, like, I don't really give a care, um, and then every time one of my parents promises to to use my pronouns, I, like, burst into tears, like, the first time each, my dad said he would, we were, like, at dinner in public, and I'd never gotten dinner with him, and it was the first time a conversation with him had ever gone in any direction that didn't end with me crying in a bad way, and I asked him to use my pronouns, and he said he would, and I started tearing up, just pure joy, um, (laughs) it didn't, um, it didn't stick, but one time my mom tried to correct him about a pronoun, um, she doesn't use them regularly either, but she made that attempt once, and I just started bawling, like, for seven straight minutes, just sobbing, couldn't tell you why, but it was just one of those things that I, I had already accepted that I would never be understood there, um, so, in that moment, it felt really nice, I don't really, um, get a lot of those moments anymore, being at home and all, um, Yeah, being understood is far more important to me than than I'd like to admit, even. It is everything. I never want anybody to exist in a space where they feel like they have to compromise themselves. Because I have... beginning portion of my life lived in a space which seemed to accommodate me just fine and then found out so quickly the ways that it really didn't as soon as I wasn't functioning in a productive way and um I want to change that I want to do everything in my power to create spaces that foster empathy and real empathy not the performative stuff the stuff that is supported from the ground up that has checks and balances that that keeps an eye on you and everything around you as opposed to just putting you in a space and expecting you to (laughs) to not drown Um, I want to do it and I am doing it. It just... It just takes longer than I wish it would. But when I am with my friends, when I am with the people I choose to be with, I feel wholly and deeply understood. And I love that feeling, and I miss that feeling. And I know what it's like to be on top of the world with that feeling. And I want to feel that every day. And I want everyone else to, too.